Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Specht. Hello. What's happening, bud? Not much, man. I'm super stoked, excited about uh, my upcoming trip, and dun, I'm dun, yeah, dun. and I'm and I'm super stoked about uh, our uh, guest tonight. Yeah. Uh, before we have our guests, uh, we talked about the Arctic Cowboys, mm-hmm. and they made up the Pond Inlet. Yep. And they were postponed for four days because of gale force winds. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, we talk about going on trips and how the winds pick up and you can't Weather get out of the Weather is the, uh, the, the game maker. It's, uh, yep. It makes or breaks their trip, right? Yep. So after four days, the weather calmed down enough that they were able to get their shuttle across. It's a Bi- Binot Island, right? Bylot. Bylot. Bylot Island. Bylot. Bylot. B Y L O T. Yeah, I can. Never, I always want to say not, not lot. Mm. So Bylot Island. Uh, they got over there and they spent uh, some time in their. Well, someone says cabin, other says shack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in my mind, there is a difference between a cabin yeah, yeah, yeah. and a shack. Yeah. And they started their trip. Yes. They are on the water. Yeah. They paddled for at least one day. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, I guess as of Tuesday, they they launched. And they paddled that day for a few hours just to mm-hmm. probably get their sea legs under them. And yeah. hopefully weather continues to be nice enough that they can... Start uh, getting miles under the belt. Mm-hmm. They do have their live tracking up now. So if you want to see where exactly they are, if you go to westhanson.com and on the top of the page, there's a little Arctic Cowboys tab. Click that and it'll take you to the Arctic Cowboys page. And on there, there's a thing you can click the live tracker and you can follow uh, West or... Um, uh, Rebecca or Jeff, they're in, I guess everybody's got their own tracking. Each of them has their own tracking device, yeah. yes. So you can follow whoever and uh, see how they're they're making it. Um, we do have a guest this evening, and we got him on here because he's got a, something new out. And we're going to take a quick break, and he will be back with us after this. So we'll be right back. Hi, this is Dark Sprecht. You're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. If you like what you've been hearing, you can find out more by checking us out at paddlingadventuresradio.com, as well as on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page for our website, where all our podcasts are available for download or streaming. We love to hear from our listeners, so if you have a suggestion for the show or want to let us know how we're doing, please drop us a line. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. We have a special guest with us this evening. Yes. How exciting is uh, that? Really exciting, because he's only been on the show about 900 times now. <laughs> so, you know, he's, he's sort of like one of the crew almost. Yes. We, we'll, we, we might have, have to start have, paying him. We'll have to pay him a big nothing, like the rest of us. <laughs> He'll double my wages. He's gonna, I'm going to pay him twice as much as I pay you. So, 
outdoor author and educator. I'm. I am. Well, if I don't write it, am I really plagiarizing it? No. I stole this from the Amazon site. Oh, okay. And I'm just going to read it as they say it. Outdoor author and educator Kevin Callan, aka the Happy Camper, has always suffered from high anxiety. Where did Kevin go to escape this anxiety? He didn't find relief in a psychologist's couch or popping pills. Kevin found it by heading off on wilderness trips. Canoeing has always been the author's favorite mode of travel, but he also tried other ways of low-impact travel. Backpacking, kayaking, snowshoeing, whatever. As long as he's outside in nature, wilderness places are sacred. They need to be loved and protected. But they are also places we need to help ward off our growing issues with mental and physical health. This inspiring, often humorous memoir is full of stories of the ways that wilderness can magically transform and heal our lives. Illustrated throughout, this memoir includes sidebars that give camping, paddling, and canoeing advice for staying safe in the great outdoors. Kevin Callan, how you doing? Well, well read, well read, sir. <laughs> you like I that? Just like to, to make a note. I, I I really did. I in fact, I have no idea who wrote that. It wasn't me. Wasn't um, me. It might be my. I don't know. <laughs> me and my mother. I'm not sure. But uh, I just like duly noted. This is just radio and no video, right? Because it's a heat wave here right now. I have no air conditioning. I have no shirt on, and I do have three nipples. <laughs> oh, the superfluous <laughs> third nipple. <laughs> Yeah, that's not in the book. That's not in the book, but I'm telling you right now, you're getting a little extra for tonight. <laughs> well, it's all common knowledge that when we record the podcast, we never wear pants. Yes. <laughs> so, Well, do you have no pants and three nipples? I don't think so. I, I think I win. <laughs> yes, you win. I'm not competing. I, I'm not competing with you, Kevin. We'll give you that one, Kevin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the third one is very small. It, it, there's a special word for it, I forget. but Nubbin? Uh, the, the Canadian the Canadian comedian on Friends had one, and and he named it. I forget. A nubbin. There, there's a there's a someone should look that up. Derek, Google. Okay, Chandler Bing's third nipple. It's a nubbin. Is right. it nubbin? Yeah. How do you know this, Derek? Because I really? watch Friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's funny. That's funny. Well, how are you doing, both of you? We are great. Fantastic, Kevin. Thanks for coming on. We do appreciate it. Yeah, and, and, and Derek, you should be really fantastic because you're coming soon. Yes, I'm like a in, less in than... I'm only a few days away from uh, wheels up and headed into the backcountry there in Wabakimi Provincial Park. Well, flo- oh, that's fantastic. And, and, and Sean, are you going off to the wilderness? Uh, not till September. We just we just came off a three day weekend and September we're heading to Tomogamy and October I'm heading down to uh, the southern states to paddle a bunch of spots down there. That's so exciting. Basically, you're holding the ropes while Derek's all going off philandering. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Lollygagging. <laughs> As it should be. That's right. <laughs> so, but we're not here to talk about us tonight, Kevin. No. We're here to talk about somebody else. So, there's... Well, let me pour, let me pour, I'm drinking, I'm drinking some uh, whiskey tonight, it's called Writer's Tears. <laughs> oh. We're it's drinking... True, it's true, it, there's a Writer's Tears, it's not bad Irish whiskey, actually. We're drinking some 
beer from the Tilted Glass Brewing Company. Formerly known as uh, 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 Man Antler. Man Antler, yeah. New ownership. Clementine Pale Ale. And it's got a ton of floaty bits in it. Yes. <laughs> like excessive amounts of floaty bits. Really? <laughs> like frog's eggs or something. Yeah. God. And they're that constantly on the delicious. move. It's like a it looks like a lava lamp. I guess it's really? like Yeah, I guess it's like meal in a glass or something. Oh, you're gonna have to trot Slater. Good luck to you. Woot, woot. <laughs> 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 we'll let you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so Kevin, you've got books on canoe routes through Killarney, the French River, Algonquin Park, Quetico, Rivers of Ontario and Quebec. Uh, lost canoe routes, top canoe routes. You've got a cookbook. You got a collection of your adventures and misadventures while out in the wilderness, and even winter camping. And now there's the Kevin Callan's memoir, another bend in the river. Yes, I'm smoking a pipe and drinking whiskey as we say memoir. Memoir. <laughs> it's your memoir. I- I'm going to ask you guys the question, though, because this is this has come up a lot in the last week, actually. Everybody's thought that I wrote my autobiography. What is the difference between an autobiography and a memoir? Derek, question to you. Oh, uh, I have no idea. Is it so a memoir is self-written? A bio, autobiography is, uh, is uh, assisted by a ghostwriter type thing? I'm- well, no, a biography is... is- yeah, biography is, is assisted, but autobiography is like um, by yourself. But what's the difference between the two? Like, why is a memoir not an autobiography? I think it is. It's just fancy. <laughs> no, no. Well, maybe I don't know. A memoir is just a um, yeah, fancy so a memoir, one. No, it's not. No, a, a memoir is something that happened to you in your life that sort of emphasizes a point that you want to make about something in the world. Oh. Another biography is I, I was born, uh, my mother was, my father was born, uh, that sort of thing, right? And um, memoir, to me, is more exciting. I, I, I love reading memoirs. I love, uh, if, you know, if I was reading uh, something about a rock star, like, like I don't know, like uh, Ron Jones. No, is it Ron Jones? No. Uh-oh. Oh, man, what's the guy's... Uh-oh. Ronnie Wood? No, okay, let's just shoot him. So, <laughs> oh, what's the... Oh, I'll, I'll burst out later on what that guy is. Ron but if I'm reading about... Oh, <laughs> yeah, if you want to know about when they were born, where they were born, and everything else, and all the tidbits, whatever, yeah, autobiography. But a memoir is basically something about what happened to them that maybe changed their life in one sense, so... Yeah, I, I wrote a memoir, and I did not know I wrote a memoir. What happened was, uh, during the whole pandemic thing, uh, remember, going back in time, guys, the first lockdown, it, that was kind of surreal, right? I was here on my own with a dog, well, so I wasn't alone, but I was here for 12 weeks, and I thought, okay, well, I'm going to do all the things that you should do that we couldn't do. You know, I painted the upstairs, painted the kitchen, um, you know, <laughs> Figured all the good movies and good books to read and stuff like that. But I thought, well, I'm going to write a really good, solid book uh, about something I've always wanted to write about and something about 
growing up with high anxiety. I mean, I'm a really anxious person, and I escaped into nature always in my life, whether it was growing up, whether it was the jobs I did, whether it was the volunteer stuff I did, whether it was the writing I did, whatever, to, to try to cure that anxiety. Nature was the, the cure for it. And what was happening was uh, I started writing these short essays, um, and they failed miserably. Like, I couldn't write anything during the lockdown at all. And I was on CBC one, once. In fact, during the whole pandemic, I was on CBC radio a lot. And Margaret I, w- was in the green room, and she was talking to me and a bunch of other authors. And she said, like, this is the best time for you ever to write right now. You have the time. And I go, but I don't have the energy. I, I, what I'm writing right now is garbage. And then when we were able to get out of the lockdown for the first time and we were able to go for the first canoe trip, which wasn't until like a year later, it was a short canoe trip. And then the lockdown happened again, went another canoe trip. When I came home from those canoe trips, I wrote like unbelievable. Like I was just writing, writing, writing because I was out in my element, right? not sitting, being like depressed, right? So then what happened was I sent this to my editor, a friend of mine, and she said, oh, you're writing your memoir. I went, no, I'm not. She goes, yes, you are, Kevin. <laughs> Shows what we know. Yes, I know, right? <laughs> Especially Derek from Mr. Book Club here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I should know the difference. I'm so well read. <laughs> Is there colored funnies in this book? <laughs> Is there pictures? <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, there, I, I got a copy I was reading of your book. There's some of the stories in there that I've, I've heard before, but there's, and there's a lot that I didn't, I, I didn't know, but the exa- anxiety and nature, um, that, that's a common suggestion now from doctors and such, get out into nature and help yourself. But you've been doing this basically your entire life. You've been dealing with this. I mean, yeah, doctors for sure are telling this now. They're actually, well, you know what? They were never telling me that before, I, I'm thinking back. But um, but I knew. Uh, we all know. We all, we're all born for wilderness. Uh, we're all, every culture on this planet is born for wilderness. So if you go back to where the womb, to where you were born, then you 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 know yourself, your true self. You, you guys all know this. Uh, it, it, I, I'm talking to the... The uh, converted, right? But the, the idea is going off in the woods is you become your true self. There's no facade. And that helps a lot of people that have high anxiety because with people with high anxiety, remember back in high school, if you had high anxiety, you had this wall in front of you uh, because you didn't want to be bullied. Mm-hmm. And But in the woods, you're your true self. So if you, if you have your skill set and you know your abilities, the only thing that's going to bully you is nature. And, you know, Nature is not going to bully you. It will teach you, but it won't bully you. Yeah, and from like I say, from way back when, they were, the doctors weren't telling you that. So you you were ahead of the curve. Absolutely. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I'll tell you right now, this is how old I am. I remember going to, uh, when I was a preteen, I went to the doctor because I had real bad problems with uh, anxiety, stuttering problems, um, everything else. And uh, so uh, the one doctor, uh, he said, well... There's a new system we have now. You know, I should have wrote this in the book, too. Like I, 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 all these things coming back in my head now. But there's a device you can put on your belt. And when your muscles are around your heart, because what would happen to me is um, I get full anxiety, and then uh, my muscles around the heart would, would uh, contract and whatever and tighten up. And I felt like I was having a heart attack. I wasn't having a heart attack. And, in fact, they called it the Irish grip. 
um, at the time. And because my dad was Irish, he goes, oh, yeah, you got the Irish grip. <laughs> and what he meant was I had bad nerves. I had bad nerves, really what he was saying. And they're like, this, this device uh, will actually uh, put off a signal with lights and a siren. When this happens, it will tell you to calm down. Well, that'll calm the nerves. <laughs> whoop, whoop, whoop. Wouldn't that help <laughs> if you're in school? Should... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I should have wrote that in the book. What, I, that? I remember the doctors. And I went, why would I do that? Because that's not going to calm my nerves. And then he said also, by the way, this going into nature by yourself alone, uh, that's got to stop because it's very, very dangerous for you to do that because of this this issue you have. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, I, I disagree. And I was a preteen. Yeah. And I go, I disagree. And then he goes, what do you mean? I go, well, every time I have bad nerves, I go into woods to calm down. And again, this is back in the 70s, right? So for, for me to figure out, that for me to go to a walk in the woods or to go camping, whatever, and back into high school to go uh, uh, on canoe trips, whatever, calm my nerves, I didn't need a device that go, beep, 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 calm down, calm down, <laughs> beep, 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 calm down, calm down. Yeah, make it turn. And now that they have, and they have, they don't have that device now. But they have, they have meds, and I, I did that. I, I, I did uh, anxiety meds for quite a while. But what was happening? Actually, and again, I didn't write about this in the book too. But what was really kind of cool is I remember I was on a high anxiety meds when my my wife wanted to have a separation, and I didn't, I didn't do well with that. And but I'm in the public eye a lot, and then so. I'm on CBC and I had my own show, The Habit Camper at the time, really busy with that. And I was on high anxiety meds. And uh, Sandy Mowat, the producer at the time, Farley Mowat's uh, um, son, which means nothing, actually. Like, to me, Sandy Mowat's just a friend of mine. Uh, but he said, hey, Kev, are you off coffee or something? Like, we did a show this morning and you're, you're really calm. <laughs> I went, yep, no, I'm good, I'm good. And he goes, could you not be calm? Because you kind of heard you not calm. And I realized then that, that I, I couldn't be on these meds because I wasn't who I really was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there was nothing wrong about being high anxiety. I just had to know how to cure it more than just popping pills, right? So, Yeah, I mean, we went through a phase, the late 90s, early 2000s, where a lot of people we knew, it, it was like doctors all of a sudden got really overstocked in prescription yes. ads mm-hmm. and oh you need meds for this meds for that meds for this meds for that and it's like no no you i don't think you do you need to just take a look at your life and figure out what's- yeah but sean you gotta watch that yeah sean you gotta watch that too because there's a lot of students that i teach that actually have to be on their meds like the bi- bipolar students i have they're not allowed in my class unless they're on their meds so we're not saying hey kids don't take your meds go off in nature no oh no no, I, no. I just, i'm just yeah. yeah, but I, I'm a high, high anxiety person, but I'm not bipolar or whatever. Well, um, so, yeah, just make sure you're not telling everybody to go, get off their meds. Oh, no, no, me, no. There's there's definitely the ones yeah. that do definitely need it. But it just seemed like everybody you knew at the time was going to the doctor and getting a, a prescription for something. What was it uh, the Rolling Stones' Mother's Little Helper? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, that. You and know? also Ridlin. Ridlin, when I was in undergrad uh, back in the 90s, Ridlin was the big thing. Big, yes. Um, and a lot of kids needed it, but there was a lot of kids that did not need Ridlin. They yeah. just needed some time away. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, now you're, I like, like I say, I read your book. Um, 
And the book basically describes. Now I know you you said you're, you you give a, a description in the book why you called it uh, another bend in the river. Um, but the book describes basically your evolution from forest technician to wildlife rehabilitation and research to author to canoe guru, public speaker, YouTuber, and everything in in between. And to me, if your life is point A to point B with no bends and twists, you know, you got to have that. And to me, that's the bend in the river, which is, I mean, oh, I, bends in the river. Bend, the yeah. All canoeists will relate to that. You don't know what's coming around the corner, whether mm-hmm. it's a sweeper, whether it's a gravel rapids, whether it's a class three that you're like, oh, look, there's a waterfall. Or it's a tranquil morning with mist and birds calling. You don't know. And I think that's why we like rivers so much. It's a journey as opposed to lake by lake by lake by lake on the portage, right? Right. So, so uh, and I was, I, I, going back in time, I always, I always said that. Another bend in the river, another bend in the river. I went, hey, you know what? I think that's a good book idea. And I actually started writing... At first, I started writing stories about rivers I've done and what was happening in my life during those times when I did those rivers. And then I I started like, oh, we talk about anxiety, talk about growing up. My first float with a on a on a tube down the urban river when I was in grade seven, all those things. And then I started thinking, well, you know, all those things I've learned along the way, like how to make true camp coffee and how to, uh, um, you know, how to pull a tick out of your body, that sort of thing. And I thought, how am I going to put this to be? Uh, it was all scattered. It typical me, like scattered, like squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> and um, my my editor, uh, Kathy Fraser, and also uh, uh, designer uh, Jill, uh, um, they they know me for years. They're they're the original people that actually did. Uh, oops, still hear me? I just went off. No, you're still there. I know, I know my computer is shut down. I'm dead! <laughs> so anyway, uh, what happened is Kathy um, Fraser, Jillian Steed, so basically they said, Kevin, we've been uh, editing your stuff for 30 years, whatever. They they did the first guidebooks and stuff of that. And they said, we'll figure that out. And that, if, if anybody out there wants to write a book, especially self-published, because this is a self-published book, again, my second one, believe in your editor and your book designer. That they were your best friends ever. And what they did is Jillian said, well, like, or Jill, sorry. She just said, uh, well, we'll do the little side notes of information on, on sidebars. And then we'll do your wisdoms of growing up and what you learn about life in, in the canoe world. And we'll do that in a separate area. And we'll do this, we'll do this. And the Kathy changed all the spelling errors, which took her months. <laughs> <laughs> My mother even said, Oh, she must have had fun because you could never quit spell. <laughs> which is true. Uh, yeah, which which is a really good point too. I, I know I'm going going off scattering here, or whatever. But some good points here. It's like, it's like they always told me th- these are people that knew me for years. So I'm thinking, why did I become the writer? Why did I do all those guidebooks and now this book, whatever? Like I, I've got freaking 19 books, right? And most of them are bestsellers. Why me? Because I really couldn't spell. Like my grammar is terrible. Uh, it's because they told me. Uh, when I, they work on this book, they, you could always tell a story, Kevin, and that's number one. And then we can fix everything else. Yeah, yeah. I think is is why you're telling the story is also meaningful because mm-hmm. there's so many people that say, "Well, Kevin, I want to be a writer. I want to write a book, and I want to do videos and stuff." Well, why do you want to do it? Why well, ask me this? I went. Well, if you're wondering why I'm asking you this, then maybe I don't want to help you. <laughs> um, 
And because I, I you know, I tell you right now, like, I always, we, we've talked before on, on your shows, I always wanted to make a change in the world, right? I, I, not change the world, but make it, make a change in the world. And to get more people out in the wilderness to get them to reconnect with wilderness, uh, and then wanted to save wilderness when it, when it, when there was a problem, right? Because right. if they're not out there reconnecting, they won't want to do that. So I've done, you know, a bunch of stuff like writing, film, edu- outdoor education, wildlife habitat rehab, um, for animals, uh, whatever, all these things. Running was always my favorite. Wasn't my, my wasn't my best. It wasn't my best thing. In fact, I, you know, uh, but I, I, it always comes down to writing. Like, if I had to choose between doing a brand new YouTube video and writing a story, I'll write the story. Right. But uh, I'm blabbing. Uh, no, 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 that's why we're, we're here to discuss you. And then we'll be getting another r- bend in the river part two eventually. <laughs> of all the things you forgot to put in the first one. So going through the book, getting people into the outdoors has is, is always been important to you. But not only that, educating the people has been a big part of your life, be it outdoor education programs for school kids, youth at risk, educating people on the canoe routes through your books and such, uh, teaching them. Because you were doing the one um, set of videos there, uh, going out near local forests and saying, here's the... The, the, oh, the yeah, local yeah, flowers yeah. and trees yeah. and stuff like that. And even passing off tips and tricks of canoeing, camping to people new to the sport. The education and the getting people outdoor always seems uh, to, to have been a common thread to you through this book. Yeah, well, it was, it, it was pretty simplistic. Um, I mean, if you get them out there, then they'll realize it. If they don't go out there, then... We can just kiss it goodbye. And mm-hmm. I knew that as a kid. As a kid, because my dad took me out in the woods. And my mom, too. But we went camping. But it was me, me and my dad, he took me out uh, fishing trip streams and stuff like that. And if I didn't do that, I would probably still go on canoe trips. But I would do it almost like an epiphany when I turned 50. Oh, I should be doing this years ago, which I think is fine. I think a lot of people have done that. But I, I'm so blessed that my dad introduced me to all that. And... And then I, you know, came to the realization that I'm more calm out there. Mm-hmm. The greatest story ever in the book, to be quite honest, and, and Scouts Canada is going to hate reading this thing because I help Scout Canada a lot. I love them, but when they read this bit, they're going to like, "What the hell?" <laughs> and it's like the second chapter in, and it's all about my my dad when I was a, you know, I went through Cubs that didn't like it. I, again, I was a really really nervous kid, didn't like people, stuttered. Like, it wasn't pleasant, right? And then my dad, you know, he was a boxer. People knew him in town, uh, well, well-known well guy. And he was like, Kevin, you need to socialize more. So and as a parent should, he did that. So he took me to scouts. Well, it's a great story ever. Like, uh, he dropped me off at the church, and I went, yeah, thanks, Dad, okay. And then he'd drive off, and I never went into that building. And I went off, and I uh, had a um, bamboo rod with some worms um, stashed in the trout stream, which you go now to Milton, Ontario, behind the pond there and it's it's a sluice way um thing for flooding whatever it's not just anywhere but but i fish for trout and then i go back like five minutes before his car came up to the parking lot and he'd pick me up and we'd go home and how's your day or how's your night kevin Whoa, yeah good day, yeah, good. <laughs> and then uh one night he comes home from and he worked at a factory for 45 years right loving did that for, for doing that so 
he ended up, he, he came home, he goes, Kevin, Kevin, the, the whole scout jamboree is happening this weekend. Like, you got to pack. Like, why do you not know this? Like, come on, the, the guys at work were talking all about it. I went, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right, Dad. So we hit, we're heading up to, um, actually up in, the, in Acton, uh, near Milton, uh, to the scout camp. And I didn't know where the scout camp was. I haven't been there. And uh, so uh, I finally had to tell him, Dad. And, and he didn't go nuts on me. He said, well, you just have to go fishing more, I guess. <laughs> and then, look, it's just so funny. Like, he's like, he had no problem with it. He understood, right, as a parent should. And then, was it four or five years ago, I was on a speaking tour, a really busy speaking tour. I was doing, like, like just under 30 presentations in two, two months, and I was traveling everywhere. And one happened to be the scout leadership conference that was going on at a camp. And I was the keynote speaker, and sure enough, I'm driving there to get there. In fact, I stayed at my mom's place before that, and I'm driving there, and I realized, oh, my God, I'm going to that camp. <laughs> the camp I was going <laughs> This is just surreal. And I arrive, and there's 1,100 scout leaders standing in a field, and I'm the keynote speaker for their leadership of all Scouts Canada. <laughs> Holy <laughs> living. Like, do you imagine the idea of that happening? And I did. I went, hey, hurrah, hurrah, you guys are doing great. This is fantastic. And I remember the one guy comes up, and I shake my, you know, the hand, the scout handshake with the left hand. So your scout went, no, I kind of failed that. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't get my badges. (laughs) No. Wow. You know what? There's a lot of little funny stories you got through there. And um, I do like, just to go back a, a bit here, that if you take the whole book about you and your life growing up and everything that you've done, and then there's these little, what did you call them, sidebars? Um, all throughout the book, these just little extra bits that aren't necessarily part of the story, but it's like how to make real camp coffee, camp pooping etiquette, lining a canoe, the axe debate, just to give a, a few of them there. Um it sort of it, it sort of takes you out of the book for a minute, gives you a little bit of oh, this is kind of cool, and then you're right back into the story. I really like how they how they how you guys did that, and I say you you guys yeah, that, that wasn't yeah. you. <laughs> no, 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 Jill and Kathy, that was their idea because I wanted to add that somehow. In fact, at one point it was it was a section of the book of wisdoms or or. or, or I don't know, not wisdoms, whatever. It was like uh, Tricks of the Trade, I think it was called. Right. And they're like, this is going out of nowhere. Like, it's coming out of nowhere. Uh, you're talking all about growing up and, and working with uh, wildlife and having a pet ferret and all of a sudden teaching kids at, at risk, whatever. And all of a sudden you're talking about pooping in the woods. What the? <laughs> and so they just sidebar. I went, oh, that's genius. And and for everybody to know, too, like, again, this is a self-published book. So this is my second one. So Once Around Algonquin was a self-published book. And I'm not going against publishing because I've written several books through Firefly, Boston Mills, whatever, and they've done really well. But why did I start doing self-publishing? It's because, well, first of all, the main publishers across Canada, like the, the Firefly is the largest publisher, they're not going to do a memoir on Kevin Callan, right? And they're not going to do a book on Once Around Algonquin by Kevin Callan. Um, by by rule, I have to tell them I'm doing that, and they have. I, I think I, I think the contract has like 36 days to even reply to me, and you know they didn't. So I did it on my own. But the, the glory of it is, is that first of all, I, I, it's my own. It's Kevin Cullen Books, right? And it, and 
it, it's fantastic because I make 40 to 70% royalty instead of 8%. Oh, that's a big right? difference. That's I mean, I sell as many, well, I won't probably sell as many books, but I, I know, in fact, I got my first money in my, in my bank account today. The book's only been out for a week and a half, and I got my first money in my account today. It was $336. Way to go, Kevin. Yeah. And I got it, right? Um, by... Well, there's a lot of work to be quite honest. In fact, this book actually was the hardest I've ever worked in my life to write a book. I did not know that. Uh, don't ever write a memoir. Never, ever <laughs> write a memoir. So you're saying number um, two is not on the, uh, on the short list here? <laughs> I've already started writing another one, but it's not a memoir, no. It's, uh, it's actually called Camp Critters. Camp Critters is all about all the species that I've done studies on. Because so. I've worked in fish and wildlife for many years. Right. Yeah. And nobody knows that. But that's what I teach, right? So... Yeah. What was like, the name? again? Squirrel. Sorry. Squirrel. squirrel. What was the name of the duck? Oh, Cliff. Cliff. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When, when I'm that reading duck. it, I'm thinking Cliff. Why'd you name it Cliff? Because you didn't know Cliff. Oh, Cliff Jacobson. No, no, I had nothing. Jacobson at the Jacobson. time. <laughs> no, I, I actually. Cliff Jacobson is mentioned in in there because when I did my first solo trip down the Missinabi River, it was in my twenties. And I read his book, um, uh, it's the Bible of canoe tripping, uh, gosh, North American Rivers or something like that. And um, I, as a kid, I wrote, I, I read that and uh, read um, Bill Mason stuff, and that's how I went down that river on Missnabi. If you read that chapter, it's a really co- cool chapter, because I went down the Missnabi River, uh, and I got to Matice, and I did it in, in record speed li- limit. I, I did 10, uh, 10 days, I was supposed to take longer than that but I, I had a lot of bear encounters really bad bear encounters mm-hmm. and i got terrified and i and i went back up to miss savvy lake uh stayed at the campground there at barcy bay campground met a first nation guy named charlie and he and a bear came into my campsite and he showed me how to deal with the bear and he goes well you're afraid of bears that's why the bear is coming into camp i've told that story many times but um it came to realization that i did that river for stupid reasons i did it i tried to do it as fast as possible i was doing by fear not by skill set i didn't know what i was doing so then i left the next day to do the river again and i went from barcy bay all the way to james bay uh and not really afraid of bears because i I thought if i'm going to have a life of outdoor pursuits um outdoor jobs riding canoe trips you you can't fear nature. You have to rejoice it. You have to thrive out there, not not survive. And that was a huge change in my life. And I wrote that chapter up saying that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean that's and that's one of the big things is everybody says, well, I can't go out there because I'm there's bears and wolves and we're going to get eaten alive. And but you, you can't you can't go out like that. Well, you're allowed to go out and be afraid. I mean, I, I do it still to this day. Uh, but on that trip, I I slapped myself and said, Kevin, you want a, a career in the outdoor world trying to make a change and, and telling everybody to make a change. Why are you so afraid to be out here? Right. But I was a kid. I was a kid, right? And it was uh, the First Nation guy that sort of said, because you are afraid and you have to face your fears and realize that these things are not I mean, yes, they're dangerous, but in relatively terms, they're not. And to go on a on a trip and then stop and then go back and then redo it again, and it was almost like a rebirth, right? Right. So. Well, it's cool that you went back and did it again. Yeah, right. You did it right away, right? Like 
Back yeah. Back. I mean, yeah. I'm. <laughs> I had no food at the end. I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I, oh my god. <laughs> yeah, but that was fine. You know what? It's it's part of learning, right? I mean, you spend so much time educating people that at some point you had to be educated yourself. Absolutely. Oh, I'm still educated. I think that's very important for everybody to know, mm-hmm. too. I am not saying I'm the, oh, I know everything. Oh, oh go with whatever. I know everything. Here you go. Um, I think that's the worst thing ever. Nature will kill you if you're like that. Uh, if you're out in the bush and you think you know everything, you'll die. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, but uh, but um, so I, I, I'm always learning. But th- at the same time, everybody's saying. And here's a good thing: you're running a memoir. Oh, like, are you dying? Do you have cancer? Like, what's going on? And I went, no, no, <laughs> it's you're not just a memoir. <laughs> no, like, but you know what? A memoir. People in their twenties have written memoirs. Like, like, like. Sorry, it's not an autobiography. <laughs> well, I think I, I think cancer. that's. I that's where the whole thing comes from is usually it's, oh, look at this book. This guy's been through adventures for the last 90 years. Let's see the book he's just put out about his 90 years of living. He must be well, I, on death's you know, door. But if, you, if you've done all the things I've done, um, you don't want to wait until you're 60. I mean, I, I'll be 59 this fall. You don't want to wait till you're 90 to write your memoir. Like, why would you do that? Like, if you have something in your head, do it. Share it now. Like, don't wait. 20 years to do it. Absolutely. I concur. So are you writing your memoir now, Derek? No, I can't write. I can't barely read. <laughs> you can't barely read. <laughs> <laughs> Is reading a prerequisite for this, Kevin? Oh, my Lord. You're out of control, guys. I need a ghostwriter. <laughs> I know a guy. His name's Kevin. <laughs> I can hook oh, you man. up for a cheap price. <laughs> <laughs> I, I should write my autobiography because I've I've been written, I, I've been asked five times to be a ghostwriter for certain adventurer writers that have done amazing trips they couldn't write. I've said no to all of them. And my answer, and this is throughout my entire career in life, I said you did a trip, write about it. What the hell is your problem? <laughs> <laughs> if I write it, if I write an article about a trip you did. I'm making stuff up. <laughs> I'm putting stuff in there. <laughs> Slipping it in. That may or may not have happened. <laughs> well, you, you all know, too. You, you guys know me, uh, too. And I was talking to my buddy, Ashley, the other day. In fact, him and I took my daughter out for her 18th birthday yesterday, actually. And I was talking to Andy, my buddy, the other day, too. And we're talking about the you know the book and about stuff. And, and, and um they're like, Kevin, we get that you don't tell the truth all the time. Uh, we know that you white lie. <laughs> and it would be a bloody boring book if you if you just told the absolute truth about what happened. Well, you have to put right? in your so little it's, exaggerations and, and it's, it's how you remember it. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's the way I remember it. Yeah. And I, I, yeah. It, but also, when I, what, what I remember is when I'm writing, remember this, it's like, it, it's to, to make a change. When I'm writing something, I want to make, make a change in, in something, right? right. Um, to, to entice people to go out in the wilderness again to protect it, right? If I wrote, it's like what Bill Mason said in Water Walker. If he said exactly what happened, people would go to sleep. Yeah. But <laughs> okay, if, he yeah. Did, he, if he did what the, the producers wanted and the wolves to come and 
go after the guy on the island or whatever. I forget the whole story, but I remember that that version in the Water Walker film. Then he walked away with his film. He goes, like, you're not doing this because this is so exaggerated. that just crap, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm in between, right? So, yeah. Yeah, there's a part in Water Walker where he says he took this film into the producers and they said, hey, let's do this. So we can uh, – there's this guy, see, and he's in a plane crash and there's there's a pack of wild wolves. And, <laughs> and he says, yeah, there's no mountain men in this one. It's just me in the wilderness. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and that was the great thing about, too, where there, there was a chapter on when uh, Kip Spidell, a really famous film producer, him and I were working on a film in Quetico, and the Quetico uh, um, Foundation were, you know, trying to raise money for it. And we did the film, we did the trip, and it was a really amazing trip, really long trip, too. And they couldn't raise the money, so I, I took the film on my own. And that's how I learned how to edit film. Right. And the greatest part was actually when we interviewed people along the way, we met and said, you know, hey, what do you think? Does Woodlands still exist? And they answered, and we got some great answers and stuff like that. Well, you know, at the end of the day, we I think I might have paid for that film. It took me five years to do that. Well, yeah, well, actually, no, I never made money on that film. But I, um, but at the end of the day, it's like um, there was some silliness in it, right? Uh, some exaggerations, some maybe passing the paddle idea in it, whatever. But 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 you know people will say well you know did you really do that one yeah actually here's the truth we actually did do the trip we actually got the job because we're the only film company that that applied for the job that actually were willing to go on a canoe trip that everybody else was going to film it from the roadside really right so yeah oh yeah yeah oh my god I, yeah you're yeah, right I do have to write another memo see <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I enjoyed the book, Kevin. I don't care what anybody else says. I enjoyed it. Doesn't matter what what they all say. But to give people the chance, where can we get the book? It's everywhere now, which is good. Uh, so it's self published, and I did the print through Ingram Sparks, which is an American printing company. So it's print on demand. So I own I own it, uh, and they just print it. Um, so it, it causes some issues. Uh, if you go to Amazon.ca, which is Canada um, Amazon, they have it there, but it's actually $32 instead of $24.95 right now. Uh, they mess up with price. So I have to change that, and that will be changed soon. So what I did is I contacted everybody new in Canada, like uh, Tim from Canadian Outdoor Equipment, uh, London Paddle uh, Shop, uh, Clarity Outfitters, Algonquin Outfitters, um, even the French River Trading um, um, Visitor Center, all those people, and I said, "Hey, look, I can ship you books for twenty four ninety five if you, if you sell it before Amazon gets all of it and changes the price." So they did. So yeah, just Google it. I, I would say, if if I had to say where to get it right now, Canadian Outdoor Equipment, uh, London Paddle Shop, actually the Canoe Museum has it now. Those people I know, right. I, I'd rather you buy it off them. I'm yeah. the same amount percentage of royalty from them than I do it on, on Amazon. I'm also not a fool. Like, uh, well, I am actually a fool, but, but uh, you can't be an Amazon. Like, like they're, they're going to take over that and it's, it's easier to deal with that. So, uh, you'll get on there. I know chapters Indigo has it now. Oh, um, okay. so even though self publishing, yeah, self publishing is not easy to get in those books because to, to, to actually do that would help me. And for any writer out there that's wanting to self publish, how I got that, 
in two weeks, which is a lot of work. I'm, I, look, I, I, look, I haven't slept at all. Um, it's because I knew people and I had books out already. So for me to go to chapters with a self-published book to get in in chapters, if that's your first book, they're not even going to answer the phone call. Right. Uh, so I, I was able to get in there because uh, like, they didn't answer the phone call for a week, and then all of a sudden someone at my local chapter store in Peterborough said, hey, we want you to do a book signing here. Well, you're going to have to talk to chapters because they won't have my book here because it's self-published. They made that work, and they're like, oh, you're Kevin Kellen. We, we saw all your books, and then it, it made it happen. Awesome. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, like at the end of the day, do, is that why I write a book and sell a book? I don't make a lot of money. I mean, you guys have been in my place. <laughs> I don't make a lot of money. I love that but, gold my, toilet you have. <laughs> gold plate is solid gold toilet. I'm taking that to my grave. I'm taking that to my grave. Yeah. Everybody that misses my place wants my toilet seat. <laughs> the fish. <laughs> fish. <laughs> Have you thought about selling Seriously? toilet seats? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Could make probably more money doing that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, no, I. It was a great adventure. Go ahead. So it was a great adventure. Um, uh, it was the hardest book I wrote for emotional reasons, for financial reasons, because again, self publishing, you have to cough up the money. Mm-hmm. Right? So instead of me just getting an advance from a major publisher and me working on a book, I had to cough up all the money and the time and energy and hope to God it sells, right? So, so yeah, everybody remember that. Um, for everybody to know, too, I thought it would cost me about 8000 So and then that's called a line of credit. <laughs> um, but it only costs me, yeah, really, it's not more money I have in the bank. Uh, but it's, uh, but um, I just, it cost me just over 6000 to produce it and wow. the reason why it costs that much is I, I i got it done properly you can't just get your grandma to edit your your self-published book don't well unless your grandma is a great editor but don't do that um i think though the one thing i'd like to say though is what was really beautiful was i needed someone to review it uh before it came out and that's a typical writer thing you you get people to write back cover pieces, whatever. Right. And one night, I just wrote a whole bunch of people I knew, and I go, here, look, I, I can't have the full book to you. I can give you sample chapters. Um, can you review the book, and I'll put the reviews in the book. And I sent out, um, I think, 15 emails to really well-known people, like Justine from Cackle TV, Roy McGregor, James Raffin, like John Turk, like really famous people, but not knowing about that because these are just friends of mine. Like it said, any job you have, there may be really well-known people in your community, but you don't really know them as well-known people. They're just really nice people you know, right? Yeah. Well, in late, literally like hours later, I got all these reviews given to me, like, like beyond belief, right? And it was like, if I don't make no money on this book, that was worth it. For all those people, my friends and my colleagues, to answer back and say, "Way to go, Kev! Mm-hmm. Way to go!" That you know, and that's at the end of the day, you know what? It, it's not about how much money and everything you make; it's the connections and the people that you meet along the way, and the respect you get um, from those friendships and and whatnot that really really make a difference. Yeah, that meant a lot to me, actually. Like, like really, guys, that meant a lot to me to actually have them respond so quickly. 
and so terrific. I mean, you look at like D D Whalen, like uh, she's the one that went across Canada, took yeah. her six years, right? And the back cover it says, "In a world full of sugar, Kevin is honey." Like this woman has done amazing things in her life. For her to even respond to me, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That meant a lot. I mean, yeah. I mean, again, this is a memoir. I'm not dying. Don't don't panic, everybody. I'll probably write another memoir or two or three. 90. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but to have that response, I I, I kind of needed it uh, in my life right now. I needed uh, sort of uh, to make it feel that that you know what I'm doing in life is important because I think yeah. everybody needs that every day. Everybody needs that yeah. little pat on the back saying, "Hey, you're doing a bang up job." Doesn't matter what you do. Everybody needs something like that once in a while. Yeah, we all need that. Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, I'm hoping this is a smash and success for you. I, I thoroughly enjoyed the book. I really did, and uh, I I had a tear in my eye because I thought you were dying. So <laughs> I'm glad you cleared that up. <laughs> you know, it's really funny. It's I redid my will because uh, my daughter turned 18 the other day, so I redid my will and. The lawyer goes, okay, we got everything done, but I'm going on holidays, so you really can't sign this until I get back in two weeks. I went, whoa, 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 whoa what if I die in two weeks? Well, that, that's that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I did find out. That, no, no, uh, just so, so nobody panics there. It actually does, does go to the state, but whoever you're um, – Oh, what, what's it called? I already have an executor and power of attorney. Uh, yeah, yeah I, have, I have that. And then no, uh, search would be all the money goes to barrister. No, yeah, uh, it's my daughter, so we're fine. But she, she needs it because she's going to university as well. All right, we're going to finish this off. I, I have a reading. Do we have time for a reading? It's only two paragraphs. Oh, please do. Yeah. Yeah, okay. this is the first time ever, too. You're the first, guys. You're oh. the first. Is this something I've read before? <laughs> We're honored. <laughs> uh, well, it's not Lord of the Rings. I'm not reading Lord of the Rings. <laughs> is it anything from <laughs> Dr. Seuss? <laughs> no, it's and it's not porn. I'm not reading porn. Well, Derek's out. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, okay, no, Kevin. This is just chapter one. I, I didn't know this. I've never done a reading before. I've done presentations all over the freaking place, so I've never done a reading. But uh, it's supposedly you're supposed to read the first chapter. But I'm not going to read the whole chapter. I'm going to uh, read the first bit. All right. Nature cures anxiety. I was born the same year President John F. Kennedy was shot, 1963. The same year the Beatles made their American TV uh, debut. Push-button telephones were invented. The civil rights movement was growing. And Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his speech. I have a dream speech. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, there's... Oh. I gotta fix that. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no, we're good. I, I know. I, I, again, squirrel. Squirrel. This is why Kevin doesn't do reading. <laughs> no, I, I shouldn't do readings. I've never done this before in my life. All right. Oh, I, look. My mom's trying to get a hold of me now on Facebook. All right. My old... <laughs> this is going wrong. My Uncle Tom... From the U.S. Uh, Marines, watched his friend die beside him on the first day fighting in the Vietnam War. There was a lot of conflict in the world while I was growing up, and I was anxious through it all. In retrospect, however, I didn't have much to be anxious about, personally. I grew up in a quaint suburban home in a small hamlet of Milton, Ontario, surrounded by cornfields and apple orchards. I had good parents, loving sisters. The TV show Grizzly Adams was a big thing. So was the mu- musician John Denver. 
I played in woodlots, fished trout streams, floated makeshift rafts down flooded suburban streams. Getting rashed from stinging, stinging nettle was the worst of all my worries. Heck, when my poor mother was six years old, she was sent off to the Scottish Highlands to live with other kids in an estate sleeping in Quincy huts in case Edinburgh was bombed by the Germans during the World War II. World War One. World War Two. No World War Two. Okay, sorry. <laughs> it wasn't until two years later her father came to get her and her sister. My father came over with her parents from Ireland in 1930 to start a new life in Canada in the city of Hamilton, Ontario, only to have his father, Owen Callan, struck and killed by a, ra- a rail car in Toronto not long after. My father was only 10 years old. They had every right to grow up anxious. What was my issue? There you go. Cool. Thanks, Kevin. Dun, 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 dun. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> so everybody, go out and buy Kevin's book. It was it's it's definitely worth the read. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, and like I say, the you find out who Kevin Callan really is, and all the little side bits that he throws in there is is pretty cool. So, uh, so after you do this one, Kevin, what's your next book out? Oh, so yeah, the top 70 canoe route will be out in the spring, early spring now, because I finished early after everybody. Uh, 2023, uh, it'll be top 70 canoe routes. Um, I added 11 routes. So I knocked off White River uh, out of the top 60 because it's damn twice now, and I would say it's not the top at all. Mm-hmm. So I took that out, and then I added a whole bunch of other routes, uh, some in Tomogamy, some all oh, the best ever. Uh, I shouldn't say that now until the book comes up, but, but the West Bay of Lake Nipissing was an oasis. Absolute oasis. Uh, it's full of Crown Islands. Nobody really paddles there. People don't know that you can paddle it. It was once full of motorboats, American people fishing with uh, for muskie and pike and, and, and walleye, but that's not really going on right now, so I went out there and it was fantastic. I did um, the Tay River, Along the Rideau, I did the Grand, um, I did Nith, I did Wallaceburg, um, yeah, it, it, it's oh, I lost, the whole eastern coast of Georgia Bay is in there. So I did that, and I just finished that, and it should be all done for tomorrow. And then they wanted me to redo the Pilot's Guide to Algonquin book, because it's now going to be in its fifth edition. Uh, it's wow. on. Well. Welcome to COVID. Welcome to COVID. Like, I mean... My, my books are my guidebooks are doing really well right now because everybody wants to go out there. You think yeah. about it, all I had to do is wait for COVID to happen, right? So yeah, I think I met about five hundred of them on the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did too. Honestly, God, it's Shawnee. That's a really good point you should make. Uh, I went out, so I, I was really busy, and my partner Christine said, "You need to go out on a solo trip. You're stressed all the hell because you're doing all the, this writing, and you're done now. So go on a solo trip and think." Goodness for her to actually tell me that, right? Mm-hmm. And I did. And the problem was, it was a long weekend. I went to one of my secret spots in Crown Land. It was an absolute zoo, absolute zoo full of people, and not nice people. And I was putting in because I'm thinking, well, they're parked here, camping right beside the sign that says no parking, whatever. And um, one guy goes, "What are you doing here?" N- not Kevin Callan. What are you doing here? Just like, what are you doing here? Like. Um, and I'm a local too. Like it wasn't like I'm coming from. I, I gotta live here too. And right. I, I know that sounds really bad to say, but when you're a local and another local tells you, "What are you doing here?" That even puts your back up even more. 
And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to park here because they're just going to bash my car all down. So I tried five other places that morning, and they were you could not find a place to park. And probably if I go tomorrow, it, it'll be fine. But there was, on my way home, and I'm thinking, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, still believe, I still believe in what I've done, like to get more people out and everything else. I still believe in that. I'm not going to knock that. But don't go on a long weekend. See, and if it becomes like this every weekend and every week throughout the summer and the falls, and like it, where it's just nonstop people. You're the first one we're blaming. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're the fall guy, Kevin. Well, you know what? Yes, for so that that so when, when I put out the saying I was doing my top seventy, there was like only two negative comments out of like hundreds of really good things. But they're like, I don't go to those places anymore because of Kevin Callan. I went, you don't go to Quetico anymore because of Kevin Callan. You don't go to Clarny anymore because of Kevin Callan. You don't go to Tamagni. Like these are not secret places. Where I went to on the weekend was a place I've never written about. I would never write about. There's only two campsites on these in- inland lakes I know off Crown Land. I would never write about that. I'd be a fool to write about that. And the people that, that were parking there were not people that bought one of my books. That's nothing new to my books. They found that spot somehow, and they were doing it unethically. They were literally camping beside the sign saying no overnight camping and no parking. Mm-hmm. And the tent was right beside the sign. And what municipalities are doing right now in Halliburton, so of the five places I went to, three of them had these signs up, and, and new signs, brand new signs. And they must have got the rights to that, that parking area and bought it off the MNR to do that because it's all Crown Land run by the MNR, right? right? So how could you go to a, a parking area and have the municipality sign saying no overnight parking, no, no overnight camping? And they, they, some locals have said, we don't want these people up here anymore. They're leaving garbage, leaving poop everywhere. And so that was their answer. It's like, well, you can't do this anymore. And how to do that, I, I, I might be wrong, but the only way I can think of that they're doing that is they, they purchased that piece of land off the MNR. How would they ever be able to put the signs up? Yeah. And, but they're, you know, these people were literally camping right beside the sign saying, don't do this. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> they're rebels. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, there, come, there comes a point where people just don't care anymore. They're just going to do what they want to do. Well, there's no wardens there. I mean, really, to be quite honest, nobody's going to catch them. No. And if and if they did, I bet you, it's a, I bet you, it's a hundred fifty dollar fine. And to them, that's just like, well, I just pay it. Yeah, that's their yeah. Because how many times do they get away with it? Yeah, yeah. And in fact, a hundred fifty dollar fine. Uh, to, to to camp there is probably cheaper than going to an Ontario park right now. So yeah, <laughs> and I we all get we're, into we're not going there. And I think the tragedy <laughs> of the tragedy of these areas that are being overused is is the fact that people are going there with no care to the seven principles of lead no trace. They're they're do they're going there and they're leaving a mess and they're they're tearing things up and they're not loving the backcountry. They're just ripping things apart. And you see it far too often. I'm sure there's a good portion of people who are back there respecting the backcountry, but that that's they're becoming fewer and fewer because they're being chased away by all the people that are going there to leave a mess. Well, that's exactly what happened to me because, uh, I mean, that place I've been going to for years, I knew it, and well-respected. In fact, nobody knows about it because I, nobody knows I go there. And to have the very first moment you get there, there was literally 22 people camped in a, in a small parking area, like right by a swamp. Like, it wasn't even a lake, it was a swamp. And the very first thing you get when you take your canoe off, because 
you know, they had motorboats and stuff and ATVs and stuff. Not knocking that at all. Don't I, I grown up with all that, so I'm not knocking that. But when you get someone to say, What are you doing here? That tells you right there what's going to happen to you if you actually park there. Yeah. Right. Hmm. You yeah. don't want to be there. No, no. Well, something's going to happen. Yeah, there, there, there comes a point where, you know what, I'm just going to pack up and head elsewhere and just uh, just avoid it. But the problem, is with that, Sean, the problem is with that, and, and, and just to end it with this whole thing, is that, that, uh, is that I went to four other places after that looking for a place, and there was no other. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a problem. And I'm talking, I, I was up by uh, Goodrum area, Halliburton area, um, and Bancroft area. So that's not north. But, like, if that's happening there, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just too many people are trying to get out and get away. And uh, th- I think that if they had treated it better, if they tre- respected the backcountry better, I think it wouldn't be a problem. But it's just it's being overrun and, and destroyed. Yeah. And then that means that the government has to step in and start managing everybody like you know, herds of uh, sheep, right? Yeah. Because that's what their job is. And there's no budget. But that is what their job is. Yeah. And yeah. There, I mean, no if you look at uh, oh, budget. Like, yeah, if you paid your freaking tax lately, budget mine. <laughs> Sorry. Uh oh. <laughs> I hit a nerve. <laughs> and there went Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's where they're prioritized, where the funds go, and it's not towards women's protection. I tell you that right now. Correct. So. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta say, what's good good news? Forget the negative news. Uh, Ontario Parks just put up a really good video of all the people going up to the crack in Killarney, and they oh. started, they they had a uh, person sort of saying, "Hey, if you're doing that, that's fantastic. But this is what you should do before you go up there." And I know why. There were so many uh, evacuations there now, and so many many people going up the crack. It's getting insane. And I, I remember talking to the superintendent personally, saying, I, "I can't stand it, Kevin. Like like this is insane." It's actually insane the amount of people going with flip-flops and mm-hmm. no water. And so they actually put up, it just happened this week, they put up a video saying, hey, you know, if you're going up the crack, it's great, but these are the things you can consider. So that's a good step, a really good step that they're doing something. So Now, is it the LaCloche Trail that they people do, they run? Yeah, they do. They try and do it in 24 hours. And actually... Again, the record, uh, but uh, what we're freaking t- talking about on podcast anyway, but you talk to the staff there. Well, they won't say anything because they're not allowed to say anything. But I-, I could tell you right now, they want they want to eradicate that completely. They don't want those people doing it. They, they do so many rescues. The- these people that try to do the, the Clash, uh trip that, you know, I did, the last time I did, took seven nights. They're trying to do it in 24 hours. And whether they do it or not, but the amount of rescues they have to do because these people are trying to do it because it's on social media, these parks people, they don't want their jobs anymore. Like, yeah. I'm going off on tangent here and the people are going to hate it. But actually, the pe- individuals are going to love me saying this, but they don't want to work there anymore because all they're doing is spending their time not educating. They're just saying, are you crazy? Like, what? What, what the? Yeah, we, we met a couple that yeah. they've been trying to do it and they said they, they were... I guess trying to do the, get a, a reservation to do it this year, and they said they were can't remember exactly what they were, what they said, but it was something like we couldn't get in because there was too many people already booked to run the trail. Wow! Like yeah. all the reservations were for people that were trying to run it, hmm. so they couldn't get but in. And, and half off, 
you know, hats off to those people that do that. Hats off to people to try to to do the the meanest length in, in a marathon race. But oh yeah. But when it comes down to it comes down to park staff, they're making minimum wage, to be quite honest, have to rescue all these people because of social media, look at me, look at me, narcissism. Mm-hmm. Like, that's that's a problem. And then all of a sudden, and now in the old days, if nature actually killed you because nature will kill you if you do something stupid like that, then everybody goes, oh, well, there we go. But now it's all it, it's all the park's fault. It's like, no, yeah. it's not the park's fault. I don't know. If somebody, I'm in the back country with somebody and they die, their carcass stays, and I, <laughs> I, I, I plead ignorance. I don't know what happened. They didn't show up for the trip. <laughs> That's why I've never tripped with you and Derek. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why? Are you afraid about lying about Derek's carcass? <laughs> no. You, you know what I really liked? I, I, so, was it two weeks ago? I was on a Crotch Lake. It's a terrible name of a lake, but it was at North Frontenac, uh Parklands, which yep. is run by the municipality, because it used to be well, it still is Cranland, but it got so overrun. But the municipality said, "Okay, no, we need to control this." So you pay twenty two dollars a night and you reserve. It caused controversy the first couple of years, and it's fine. But it, a warden, well, I wouldn't call it a warden there, but the manager comes out to my campsite, and I loved it. He goes, "Kevin Callan," he reads off that one. Yes, I'm Kevin Callan. He goes, "Just checking to make sure you're the one on the site. Is everything fine? Was the campsite clean when you arrived?" Yes. Are you enjoying your stay? I went, yes. I went, thank you so much for just coming up and doing that. That's odd. That's great. You like that sort of thing. Now, Ketchum Kujik National Park out in Nova Scotia. When we were there, they said, oh, yeah, we get rangers that go out every day and check on everybody's campsite, make sure everybody's fine. And I'm thinking... That would kind of tick me off if I'm sitting there enjoying my peace and quiet. My and some serenity guy shows up in a motorboat. Hey, dude, you good? <laughs> Are you peaceful and relaxed? <laughs> I was. <laughs> well, but Sean, you wouldn't you wouldn't be so upset if actually it wasn't you on your site and someone stole your site. Correct. Would you? Correct. Right. Well, so then there would be a carcass to deal with. <laughs> it, it just was so nice. I mean, in a golfing park, uh, I'm not knocking it, but I, I don't know how many times I've gone there. I, I can't remember the last time a, a warden has come up to me in the interior it, at the SS point. Yes, but the interior to come up and check on if everything was okay. I don't remember yeah. that, and I'd like to know how many wardens are doing that in the interior. I would like to know those numbers. I'd like to know the money that's put but there. And here's this municipal. North Frontenac guy comes up in the motorboat. Hey, I don't. Oh. I think, and I thanked him. I think there's only been twice in Algonquin. One was about four years ago, when my daughter and I were in the North End. Rangers came up, said, "Hey, just checking out permits and seeing everybody's cool." Yeah. But yeah, I think in, in all the years I've been going to Algonquin Park, I think it's twice we've met a ranger in the yeah. interior. Once for me. You know what? You know what park that I actually have seen really good um, um, reaction to was uh, in a good way is the Quartz Islands. I've seen a lot of wardens come up to me and ask for permits. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I I think most likely ninety percent of the time I've been in the Quartz Islands, the, the wardens have come up whether I was portaging or camping, and they've checked on everything. So yeah, it, yeah. it is a good thing. So and, it, but everybody, you know, says well, they just don't have the resources to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know what? I'm paying a good sir. I'm paying a lot of money to be in a Gulfin Park. So, sorry, but you're not winning on that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, that's awesome, Kevin. You got any any other big plans for trips this year? Uh, yeah, I'm doing the next uh, trip or doing another trip. Sorry, next week. Uh, Andy is taking me on what's called a mystery tour. So he's taking me on a trip. I don't know where we're going. Oh, this is uh, years ago, we did- ten years, right? Yeah, and I've only, you know, it's funny. I, he said I've only got one more year left. So I took the means link like nine years ago, really. Mm-hmm. So, so this year, yeah, uh, he's showing up, and we're doing a seven day trip somewhere. I don't know where it is. Um, I know I, I did say, look, you know, I, I I love this whole thing, but it can't be far because I can't afford the gas. So it better be local somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, maybe he's just taking it to the spa for the week. Well, there you go. Yeah. Knowing him, he would. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kevin, I want to thank you for uh, coming on this week. Yes, thank you very much. Talk about your very book and uh, let everybody know more about it. I, like I say, I enjoyed reading it, and I think it, it'll. I think people get a lot out of it. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Oh, oh, wait a minute. There's my mother trying to call again. Uh oh. <laughs> That's what happens. You turn your cell phone off so your mother doesn't call you, and then oh my lord! Yep, she's What's worried it? about yeah, you now. Yep, she's worried about you. <laughs> oh, she's she's a Scottish three foot eighty six year old woman. That's you never call me. I just talked to her last night. Just to let you know, I just talked to her last night. Is she one of those? I brought you into this world. I'll take you out. <laughs> she has. She said. She said. Well, you you know the story about the, the Toronto show, right? Where after my presentation, I went back to sign books, and she was signing my books. Yeah, and all these people were lined up, and I said, yeah. Mom, what you, Mom, what are you doing? And she said, Yeah, you wouldn't be here if it wasn't for me. <laughs> you know, you know what? There's a a meme that was on Facebook. I, I saw, I probably saw about a year ago, and there's a little old lady, and she's surrounded by about 50, 60 people, and she's got a big smile on her face, and she's. Everybody's like, why are you so happy, Grandma? Like, great grandma, grandma, that sort of deal. Says, because if your grandfather and I never hooked up, none of you would have been here. <laughs> <laughs> it is true, though. It is Isn't true. It? Uh, as creepy as that is to think about. <laughs> uh, well, again, thank you uh, for, for coming on this week, Kevin, and uh, hope your book's a, a smashing success. And can't wait to read your 70 Canoe Roots of Ontario. Uh, book when it comes up yeah thanks guys i really appreciate being on your show yeah it's fantastic and christmas is coming in five months yeah everybody buy your if uh, if you're looking for uh, loved one uh, kevin kellen book that's right see see yes and 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 actually just to harass chris prouse uh um uh she has a great youtube channel and uh done done the means link many times and she's on her third one right now fantastic her and chris or her and her no wait a minute Chris Prowse and... Her and Julia. What's her? Julia. Julia. Yeah. Oh, my Lord. I forgot her partner's name. Anyway, they joked about my, my What's Around a Gonka book. Yeah, it's a great book, but it's 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 pretty small. Like, it's a pretty short book. And uh, and just joking. They're great people. They're, they're, they're poking the fun at me. So I sent her a note the other day. Yeah, this book's ha- uh, you know double double the size, so there you go. <laughs> just just tell her this is the first part of the memoir. <laughs> part two's coming. Part, part two going, to eight are still going. in progress. That will mess everybody up. If I write a memoir every single year, that will mess everybody up. Wouldn't it, though? <laughs> no, he's dying. Oh, no, Did no, he, he die last year? <laughs> is he still alive? <laughs> Is he dead now? I, I got 
on the graveyard tour, Kevin Callen! <laughs> <laughs> Back from the dead oh tour! Ah, yeah. uh, awesome. The other will be Little Boy and Sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty then. Uh, just, I guess, I, right. Do you got anything else, Kevin? No, I got no. That's it. You, you've talked to me way too long. I, I, I thought this was going to be a twenty-minute interview. Well, that's, that's what we too. thought, but it never is. Do you not remember the four-hour episode at your house? It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. no, it wasn't. <laughs> you got anything, Derek? No. All right. Well, neither do I. So, if you want to find more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can download or stream our episodes at iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean iHeartRadio, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. Or you can go to the episode page at paddlingadventuresradio.com and stream or download all our episodes there. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your family, friends, and fellow paddlers. Again, thank you, Kevin Callen. Uh, and I want to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time. Bye.